Hello, and welcome to the Summit Church Podcast. Our messages are designed to help teach and equip you on your journey to lead people to follow Christ. We hope that this message will inspire and encourage you no matter where you are in your journey towards Jesus. If you have any questions, want to talk, or want to learn more about Summit, visit us at summitniles.com. We're in a four-part teaching series entitled Making Room. The focus for these next few weeks leading up to Grow 2023 is making room for the Holy Spirit. In order to live a victorious Christian life, we need to understand the person and the power of the Holy Spirit. Too many times our lack of understanding of the person and the power of the Holy Spirit is what hinders our walk of faith. That's what the heart of Grow 2023 is, to know the person and the power of the the Holy Spirit. So we're talking about the person of God, the Holy Spirit. Here are some things that we need to know, that the Holy Spirit is eternally existent, that the Holy Spirit is not the Father, the Holy Spirit is not the Son, that the Holy Spirit is a distinct person of God, one God in three persons, whereas Christ our Savior mediates between us and the Father. The Holy Spirit mediates to men, the glorified Christ. The Holy Spirit continues Christ's work in the world. The Holy Spirit creates and vitalizes the church. The Holy Spirit administers salvation paid for by Christ. The Holy Spirit inspires and illuminates Scripture. The Holy Spirit is God close at hand or God universally present. The Holy Spirit, along with the Son, grants us access to God. The Holy Spirit is the essence of all of God's good gifts to us. Without the Holy Spirit, our faith would be history without credentials. Our worship would be little more than ceremony. One of the reasons that our lives lack the full-bearing fruit potential is because at our own peril we ignore the person and the power of God's Holy Spirit. One of the reasons worship does not, doesn't always um, satisfy our souls or um, even why worship is, is, is sometimes um, veered away from or we hold back in worship is because we don't understand the power of God's Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit makes our faith personally real and gives us life-changing power. The Holy Spirit is active in creation, in salvation, in sanctification, in creation, in care, in control, in conscience, His acts of mercy, in discovery of truth, in anything of beauty. Wherever God is at work, the Holy Spirit is in action. Beacon Dictionary of Theology says the Spirit of the Lord is mysterious power, the mode of God's activity, it is God's dynamic presence in our world. In the Old Testament, the primary revelation of the Spirit is is the inspirer of prophets through whom God spoke. Micah is filled, Scripture says, with the Spirit of God to make known God's will. Isaiah was filled with the Spirit in a way that, that, that points to being set apart. In fact, he said, you know, woe is me, I am unclean. He recognized the holiness of God. And the prophets of a a future age of the Spirit is foreseen, not just for a few, but for all people. But in the New Testament, John the Baptist announced the age of the Spirit was at hand to be inaugurated by the person of Jesus. The Holy Spirit is the empowering, controlling principle of Jesus' life and ministry. Jesus is the bearer of the Spirit. It is baptism. Jesus is anointed with the Spirit, inspired, endued with power. The Spirit enabled His vicarious and atoning death. We see this in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 14. How much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered Himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciences from acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God? That is a powerful verse. 
when we understand the Spirit enables this, this atoning death, his vicarious life, his atoning death. Notice the Spirit was the ground of, of his resurrection in Romans 8, 11. And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his Spirit who lives within you. That if there was the Spirit of God that, that raised Christ from the dead, if He is now given to us and He lives within us, we too can have life. We have hope. We have strength. No matter what comes your way, you have the resurrection power of Christ living within you. That's good news. Jesus is also the giver or the sender of the Spirit to the church. We're talking about the Holy Spirit. The gift of the Holy Spirit is poured out on His disciples. It signals the completion of His, his redemptive, the redemptive work of Christ. John the, baptized, John the Baptist baptized with water. Jesus baptizes with the Spirit. The Holy Spirit's blessing is graciously given to those who are in Christ. Believers, the Holy Spirit is the renewal of the image of Christ in us. The Holy Spirit opens an intimate relationship with God. The Holy Spirit initiates the purpose of the believer and the church. The Holy Spirit gives, gives us authority to fulfill the mission that He's called us to. The Holy Spirit gives the gifts that we need to, uh, to be on mission. The Holy Spirit gives power to the church, gives unity to the church, gives joy to the church, gives fellowship to the church, makes real worship of the church. The Holy Spirit witnesses inwardly to the truth. It protects the truth. It upholds the truth. We need the Holy Spirit. I want you to see in Ephesians chapter 5 what the writer tells us, says to us about the Holy Spirit. Romans chapter 5. I'm sorry, Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. Notice verse 1. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the ways of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself us, uh, up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Verse 3, but among you there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people, nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a person as an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them, for you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret, but everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. That is why it is said, wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Be there very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs, from the Spirit, sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands and everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless 
In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, whoever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body just as Christ does the church, for we are members of his body. For this reason, man will leave his father and mother, be united to his wife, and the two become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. Whoever each one of you should also love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. The Bible says that you should be filled with the Holy Spirit. Are you filled with the Holy Spirit? What is your answer? Are you filled with the Holy Spirit? We desperately need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit and learn how to depend on His power every day. So simply, the text says, be filled with with the Spirit. Do you see it? In verse 18, don't be drunk. Don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. We need to be filled with the Spirit and learn how to depend on Him. Clearly stated, simply stated, Scripture says be filled with the Spirit. Now, this is originally written in Greek. The Greek language. There's some things that are crucial to know for our understanding. There's some things that if you're reading this along and, and you don't understand some of this context, you don't understand something of the nuances of the Greek language, you, you miss some things. I want to point out um, three or four things here. Some things that are crucial to know for our understanding. The phrase, be filled with the Spirit, is, is the focus of our attention today. And, and this is written in that, that phrase, this is written in the imperative mood imperative mode, which literally means this. It is a command. It's imperative. It's not a question. It's not an optional part of the Christian life. When he says, be filled with the Spirit, when someone asks you, are you filled with the Spirit of God? If you, if you say, yes, I am, you're living in obedience to, to God's Word. If you say, no, I'm not, you're living in disobedience to God's Word. It's imperative. It's a command. You, you, you're, you're to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Every Christian needs to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Our obedience demands that we are filled with the Holy Spirit. It is, it is in the imperative mode. It is also, second, second of all, it is in the present tense. The idea here is continual action. Keep on being filled with the Holy Spirit. It's not a one-time event. It's continual. It starts and then it continues. Be ye being filled is a correct in, a translation of of that passage of Scripture. Be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. Keep plugged in. Be under the constant control of the Holy Spirit. Yield always to Him. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's the normal mode of operation. As a Christian, it is a command to be filled with the Spirit. It is the normal operation um, to continually, in the present, be filled with the Spirit. It is also third in the passive voice. Commands can be active or they can be passive. So active commands are, are what is normal. So we say, um, I, I want you to go do this. Or I want you, um, you know, don't, don't do that. Those are active commands. The point of an active command is you do something or you don't do something. The point of a passive command means this. And this is a passive command. Be filled with the Spirit, and it is a passive command. The point of a passive command is, Scripture does not say, go fill yourself up. Rather, what it's saying is, be filled with the Spirit. You can't fill yourself up. It's an act of God. It's not human activity. You desire to be filled, but God does the filling. You're understanding being filled with the Spirit. It's a command. It's imperative. It's present tense. You're to live that way. Um, it starts and it continues on. It's, it's, it's this, this idea of, of daily, regularly living in the, in the, with, under the, with the power of the filling of the Holy Spirit. It is passive in the passive voice, meaning it's, you can't do it to yourself. You can't, you can't fill yourself up, but you, you say, listen, I'm going to be filled. The, the Spirit of God is, who fills you, uh, it, it, the, the Holy Spirit is filling you, but you must be willing to be filled. God does the filling. Now, fourth, there's something else you need to know. It's in plural form. The point is that it is for each of us, for every Christian. Every Christian is commanded to be filled with the Spirit. If you aren't, you are out of God's will. 
And here's another implication. Somehow this is for everyone in a corporate sense as well. It's not just something for a few super-Christians. The church needs to be filled with the Holy Spirit, not, not just for personal reasons, but for corporate reasons. The Holy Spirit gives life and power to the believer, but He also gives life and power to a group of people. Together we can be transformed and empowered. That, that's how corporate worship and fellowship and, and unity is on display. If I'm filled, I'm revived. If the church is filled, the church is revived. I don't want to go to a church where the people aren't filled with the Holy Spirit. Because that affects me. I want the people that are sitting next to me also to be filled with the Holy Spirit because that's how together we will know and experience. See, it's in the plural form. It's not just for a few people. It's for all of us. And look what the text says in, in, in verse 19. It says, verse 18, don't, be, don't get drunk on wine which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. There's a contrast there. Being drunk with wine versus being filled with the Spirit. The, the comparison, this contrast, makes the point. Something is going to control you. Something is controlling you. What is controlling you? A person under the influence of alcohol has altered behavior. That's why there's legal limits that are set. If you're over the legal limit, you can't drive. You're, you're an impaired driver. If you're under the influence of alcohol, it will impair you. It will control you. An altered behavior. A person under the influence of the Holy Spirit also has altered behavior. We see the change in behavior of the early disciples. They go from an impotent, fearful, timid follower, followers of Christ to people who were fearless to proclaim the truth of the gospel. Peter's a great example of that. Remember how Jesus, before the, 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 the trial and, and the crucifixion, uh, all of that, before that happened, uh, he looks at Peter and says, listen, you're going to deny me three times. Peter says, I'm never going to deny you because you're going to deny me, deny me three times before the, the rooster crows. Peter said, no, that won't happen. Sure enough, he's standing there and says, aren't you? Jesus is now arrested. He's, he, he's beginning this mock trial. He's, he's under interrogation. And Peter gets questioned by uh, a, a young girl, I mean, a young girl in, in a courtyard. Aren't you connected with him? Because I don't know him. And the second time, and the third time, and then the rooster crows, and Peter realizes that indeed what Christ had said was true. But if you look at what happened to Peter after Pentecost, in fact, what's amazing, even, <laughs> even after the reality that Christ was alive, Easter, the resurrection of Christ, the disciple Mary's at the tomb, she goes back and gets the disciples, uh, John and Peter, they run to the tomb. Peter takes off, John outruns him, John gets there first, Peter says when he gets there he looks in, and, and, and Christ is, is risen, and they talked, and Peter, even after seeing the risen Christ, goes back to fishing. Jesus said, I want you to tarry in the room. <laughs> and he said, you wait for the Spirit to fill you, the Comforter, who I'm going to send in my name. And what happened to Peter after Pentecost? He stood and he boldly proclaimed the truth of God's Word. He was filled. He was revived. The church era was ushered in. Peter's a powerful evangelist. Notice other reasons for being filled with the Spirit. And just, let me just go through there. I've mentioned these at different times um, in this series and in different times throughout the years. Reasons for being filled with the Spirit. What, what are those reasons? Well, look at verses 15 and 16. It says, be wise how you live. Being filled with the Spirit is what gives you wisdom to know how to live in an evil world. 
I said, what am I going to do? How am I going to live? How am I going to navigate the world that I'm living in? You need the Spirit of God. Verses 15 and 16, wisdom to live in an evil world. Look at this, what else it says. You need to make the most of every opportunity. That that could be that could be your witness life. That could be your work life. You say, listen, how am I going to be effective in this life? How am I going to be productive? How am I going to accomplish the things that God has called me to do? Not only do I need to navigate the, pit, the pitfalls, not, not only do I have to, to, to overcome the, all of the, the junk in the world, I, God has got me on mission, things I'm supposed to be doing, your work life. No, verse 17, how are you going to know what the Lord's will is? You say, listen, what is the Lord's will for my life? You need to be filled with the Spirit of God. Why do people drift aimlessly along? Why is there so much confusion in the world? Why, why, why do people not accomplish um, the, 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 the mission that God has for them? They don't know His will. You need to know what the Lord's will is in verse 17. Verse 19, also in chapter 6, if you look at verses 18, 19, 20, in your witness life. How, how in the world will we witness to one another, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, songs, the Spirit. He said, listen, the opportunities that we have to witness to other people, the responsibility we have to make disciples. See, that's the other thing. Not only, <laughs> if we understood the fact that God has called us all to make disciples, listen, that's the preacher's job. And a few, you know, sorry, sorry other people that, that get drafted into somehow miss, missional work. You know, they're supposed to go make disciples. No, if you're not making disciples, you're not doing what God has called you to do, church. Individually. Who are you discipling? Who's walking the road of faith because of your life and witness? That doesn't mean that, that you're the... That you, today I heard about people who, who had witnessed, who, who had invited. They were part of sowing. There were other people that cultivated. God sends the rain and there's an increase. But what part are you playing in making disciples? If you're not part of making disciples, you are not doing what God has called, commanded you to do. And how in the world are you going to do that Apart from the Holy Spirit of God, one of the reasons people don't do what they're called to do to make disciples is because they're not filled with the Spirit of God. Your witness life requires it. Your worship life requires it. How do you worship God without spirit and truth? How can you come in here and praise God for His mercy and grace apart from the Spirit of God? I, I will tell you that I think worship falls flat many times because there's people who are not full of the Spirit of God. If we were full of the Spirit of God, you'd forget about where you're sitting. You'd forget about who was singing in front of you. You'd forget about what the person next to you was doing or not doing. Your attention would so be on who Christ... If, listen. If the manifest presence of the Spirit of God ever hits this place, you'll know it. And you won't be worried about a lot of the crap that you're worried about right now. Well, can I just talk to you about that? Your worship life demands that you're full of the Spirit of God. Your wedded life. Look at verses 21 through 33. Some of the reasons, one of the reasons that people's wedded life is all messed up is because of people who aren't full of the Holy Spirit. Your war life, if you look to the next chapter, Ephesians chapter 6, the things that you and I face in this world, the, the spiritual warfare, the battle that we're in, we need to be full of of the Spirit of God. The, we need the filling of God's Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit wants controlling interest in your life. Whatever you are filled with will control you. If you're filled with anger, anger is going to control your life. If you're filled with hate, hate will control your life. If you're filled with love, love will contro control your life. Being filled with the Spirit, Holy Spirit is God's work, but it's you making room for the Holy Spirit to fill you. Here's an important distinction. Being filled with the Holy Spirit does not mean I have more of the Holy Spirit. It means the Holy Spirit has more of me. 
It is your learning to yield your life to Him, letting Him fill you so you can live under His influence. You've heard me tell the story of, of Dwight L. Moody. It's close to a special revival services in Chicago, Illinois. A group of pastors was trying to decide who should be invited to speak. Several of them wanted Moody. Of course, Moody Bible Institute, there's a lasting impact even at the Windy because of the power of God's Spirit. Moody was preaching and, and God was using his ministry in a, in a mighty way and so many of the people wanted Moody and one man protested in preference of someone else. He said, we want someone else to come and, and preach this revival. And he said this, Moody, 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 all I hear is Moody. Does Moody have a monopoly on the Holy Spirit? To which someone stood and said, no, but the Holy Spirit has a monopoly on Moody. The Holy Spirit indwells us from the moment we're saved. New believers are filled with the Spirit. By the way, new believers, what, what is so fun about new believers, and it's why they, they often have so much joy, the Spirit of God is, is living within them. They walk closely with the Lord. It's natural for that to happen. You want to be around an exciting group of people, it's around people who've, who have a lot of people who've, who've recently accepted Jesus Christ. But what happens to that joy and desire to walk too close to the Lord? I'll tell you what, there are around too many Christians who aren't filled with the Holy Spirit, and it rubs off. <laughs> and sometimes the cares of life beat us up and tear us down. And begin to look to ourselves for strength instead of God's Spirit. The natural desire to walk with God right after conversion is a battleground for the devil to tempt us to operate on our own. Here's a key to being filled with the Holy Spirit and continuing to be filled so that we can live, uh, you know, our, we can live transformed lives by the power of the Holy Spirit. We have to submit to the control of the Holy Spirit. Being filled with the Holy Spirit means we are willing to be controlled by the Holy Spirit. There's consent to be controlled. You agree to move off the throne of your own life and submit to the Holy Spirit of Christ. You volunteer to take the co-pilot seat. You yield your life to Christ. You declare He is Savior and Lord. On one hand, faith is passive in the sense that you give up control. On the other hand, faith is actively holding on to God's promises and His will for your life. Being willing to be controlled by the Holy Spirit. It's, it's being filled with the Holy Spirit. That's what it means. Being, being willing to be controlled by the Holy Spirit. Being filled with the Holy Spirit also means we are determined to stay connected to the Holy Spirit. The point is, is understood in, in, in this idea of keeping plugged in. The, the idea of be, being filled. It's that continual action. Point in time, present, wherever you are, present, being filled with the Holy Spirit. Continuing action. You might be wondering where the rest of your friends this morning, they forgot about the time change. <laughs> I was a little concerned about that myself. So last night when I plugged in my phone, I set my alarm and I made sure that I was on auto, you know, auto uh, set so that it would uh, sometime, wherever it goes to, one, two o'clock in the morning, it, it kicks to the to the new time and one of the things I also checked was that I had plugged my phone in because I was getting low on charge I thought, well I might have everything set right but if I'm if I'm low on power and this thing dies and you know I, I need to be up in the morning and so I plugged it in and, and I waited I waited for the beep I waited for the you know the little illumination up in the corner to say that it was charging and I plugged it in and nothing happened I plugged it in a couple more times and that's when I realized that the other end of the cord wasn't plugged into the charging cube if that happens it had been a no-go <laughs> no good you need to stay plugged in being filled with the spirit means you're willing to be controlled by the Holy Spirit. It means you're determined to stay connected 
to the Holy Spirit. It's kind of like a radio. The radio waves are continuing to roll, but you won't receive them if you don't set your receiver to the right frequency. The power may be there, but the dial has to be tuned in. In the world of technology, there's this thing called hypersonic sound. The inventor engineered sound waves to travel like a laser. It allows sound to be heard by a person in a particular place, but not those immediately around them. So you could be listening to music or specific instructions while those standing right next to you would be left in total silence. If you move out of the tightly formed path of those unique sound waves, you will be unaware of any communication. You won't hear sound. God's communication is similar to those sound waves. We be in the right place to hear the Holy Spirit. And when we're there, the message is clear. If we move away from the pathway of His voice, we become unaware of the fact that He's communicating with us and we consequently miss the message. The Holy Spirit's always available, unlike local utilities. Sometimes they go out. There's never a power shortage. There's never a power shortage. There's never a, a, a blackout problem. The problem is sometimes we choose to live unconnected to the Holy Spirit. And when that happens, we can't live the way God intends us to live. We're actually living in disobedience to the command to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Here's something else. Being filled with the Holy Spirit means we are committed to ongoing cooperation to His Word and Spirit. You're willing to be controlled by the Holy Spirit. You're determined to stay connected. And watch this. You're committed to ongoing um, um, ongoing cooperation to His Word and to His Spirit. That means because of the world that we live in that we'll have to choose over and over again to let Him lead us. If I choose to do things my way, I'm not letting the Holy Spirit lead me. Um, I did it my way are the words of disaster in the Christian life. Am I going to cooperate with the Holy Spirit and let Him lead me, or am I going to keep on trying to do things my own way? Here's another problem. It's not listed, but I think there's other people who are living on yesterday's message. I said it once. I committed my life to Him, um, and, and, and I, I, you know, I'm connected. You know, I, I didn't, don't think I disconnected, and, and I'm, I'm committed to ongoing cooperation, but they're living in a world of something that happened years ago. If your greatest days are, are behind you, it's time to get going. God's Spirit is willing and able to fill you right now. If you're not saved, you can be saved if you believe in Christ. Whoever believes in Him will be saved. The Spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit, will come to live within you. If you're not saved, you ask Christ to save you. You believe in Jesus Christ. You confess your sin. You repent. You turn around. You go the other direction. You receive Christ. The Spirit of God will fill you. If you're not saved and filled with the Holy Spirit, it's not because God is reluctant. You don't have to beg God to have Him do what He wants to do, what is His will. He already has promised to do. He's urging us to make room for Him to do what He wants to do for us and His promise to do for us, to fill us with His Holy Spirit. You may ask, well, how, how can I be... Um, obedient to be filled with the Holy Spirit? How do I learn to live with the Holy Spirit in my life every day? A couple things to consider as we close this morning. I like how one author puts it when he says this. Two things you need to consider. You must be empty and you must be open. Empty in the sense that we recognize our need. At some point a person becomes thirsty Paul got tired of, of living under the, the power of his own strength, his own wisdom, his own knowledge. He said, I'm not making it here, folks. Empty. When we realize that on our own we're a hopeless mess, underpowered, underperforming, underutilized, off the rails, if left to ourselves, a hopeless, hot mess. Charles Spurgeon said it this way, without the Spirit of God, we can do nothing. We're as ships without wind, 
Branches without sap, boat, uh, coals without fire. We are useless. We come empty. But here's the thing. <laughs> Have you ever tried to fill something that was already full of something else? It's impossible to fill what's already full. There's some people whose lives are so full of themselves. They haven't made room for the Holy Spirit. We have to come empty. We have to come open. In another sense, we need to be open to be filled. You can't fill something with the lid still on. Christians sometimes are at the controls. They're the pilot, not the co-pilot. They're sitting on the throne of their own life. They call the shots. They limit what they give of themselves to God. They refuse to let God be the Lord of their life. They keep the keys to all the doors of their life. With the neglect of a command of God to be filled with the Spirit, they go it on their own. For some people, it's the fear of losing control. Or maybe it's the fear of what others may think. Or maybe it's the fear of having to do something you don't want to do or not, or not doing something that you do want to do. I started that story last week. I'm not sure I, I quite landed the plane on that story. The whole idea of God calling me to do what I didn't want to do. I, it, it was almost like, God, if I submit my life to you, you're going to call me to do something I don't want to do. And guess what? He did. For many of you, Niles was home. For me, it was a foreign land. God called me here. Can I tell you that God will change the desires of your heart? And so those things that I was afraid God might do, He did in some ways. There are a lot of fears I had. You know, I thought He was going to send me to Africa. Well, I've been to Africa. But He didn't call me to be a missionary there. He called me to be a pastor in Niles. But God has given me the desires of my heart. He's changed my desires so that my desires now match with what His will is. Other Christians simply close their heart to the work of the Holy Spirit. The lid is on. The doors are locked. The light is not on. You can't fill yourself, but you can be filled with the Holy Spirit if you're empty and open. Lord, would you say this morning, Lord, I am empty and I need to be filled there must be a willingness. Lord, I'm open to you. Let your spirit fill me now. Another example from Moody's life, he held up a glass. He asked, how can I get air out of the glass? <laughs> Someone shouted, you know, suck the air out with a pump. Moody replied, that would create a vacuum, shatter the glass. After numerous suggestions, Moody smiled, picked up a pitcher of water, and filled the glass. There, he said, all the air is now removed. <laughs> he then went on to explain that victory in the Christian life is not accomplished by sucking out a sin here and there, but by, but, but by being filled with the Holy Spirit. You see, some of you are trying to avoid sin by plucking a sin out of your life here and there when you'd be better served just to be filled with the Spirit of God and operate, be under the control of His power. Instead of fear, follow Christ Following Christ requires faith. Colossians 2, therefore as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, so walk in Him. How do you receive Christ? By faith. Ephesians 2, 8, for by grace you have been saved through faith. The Christian life from beginning to end is a life of faith in the promises of God. Romans 1, 17, for in the gospel the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. Faith in God's promises. The promise that he will fill you. Purposes that he would fulfill his purposes. That his will for your life is essentially giving up your own purposes, your own will, even your own resources to live a life that Christ has called you to. Faith is submitting yourself to him. It's God's will that you be filled with the Spirit. And because it's his will, look, you can be sure that he will be faithful to fill you if you ask him.
1 John 5. And this is the confidence that we have toward Him that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have, requ- we have the requests that we have asked of Him. If you submit yourself to Him, when you ask to be filled with the Spirit by faith, you, you can be confident that He will answer according to His will. It is your will that you are filled with the Spirit of God. It's really as simple as that, as long as you are conscious of your need, as long as you're willing to yield to the Lord, you can be filled with His Spirit. I want to invite the team to come and lead us in our last song. Folks, therein lies the battle. You see, I'm convinced And I believe I've laid out a fair enough argument so when you come to the court of decision, you will have to agree that God's word for you is that He desires that you are filled with the Spirit. It is His will for you. A walk in the Spirit will of necessity be a walk in accordance to the word that the Spirit has inspired. All Scripture is profitable. It's been divinely inspired. The only way that we can live in obedience to God's word, to this command to be filled with the Spirit, much less to live the Christian life that he's called us to. It is obvious that we need God's Spirit living within us. Are you empty and open? Are you willing to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Maybe you're not saved this morning and you say, listen, I I need to confess my sin and I need to invite I need to put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. I, I believe in Christ and his, his life, His death, His burial, His resurrection, the atoning sacrifice He made for my sin. I need to receive Christ. And, and I, I want the filling of the Spirit of Christ. I, I want the Holy Spirit to live within me. If you've never done that, that's where you start. Maybe you say, well, I'm, I've done that. And, and I need to I need to understand more about what it is to walk in in the Spirit of God. I need to be filled with the Spirit of God. I I have to admit, I've been trying to do this thing on my own. and Maybe for some, you've just grown tired because you've done that over and over again. You've tasted and seen. You know that God is good. You've experienced the presence and the peace and the joy of being filled with the Spirit of God, but then life just got you. Stuff happens. It's this this battle that Satan, you don't really really need God. You just go on your own and he separates us out. You know, am I my brother's keeper? The church is not here to judge the world. But we are a brother's keeper. And this is, this is a concern for me. That there's people in the church full of the Spirit of God. And when you see someone who is struggling, maybe someone who once was walking close with Christ and now is, is away, Is there something in you that wants to go after them? Love them. Lead them. Restore them. Nurture them. There's something about the Spirit of God that gives you not only a love for God, but a love for others. And when there's a group of people that together are doing that, it it nourishes the body like 
like Christ intended. And that body then corporately goes out and does that in the world. So listen, go out and become the church in the world. If, if you think I mean do that on your own, you should turn back and look at me and say, how in the world am I going to do that? Dan, I can't do that on my own. I say, you're right. Never, never intended you to go out and, and, and live for Christ on your own. You need the Spirit of God living within you to make that even possible, make that even viable. Are you willing to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Are you going to be obedient to God's Word and to His Spirit? I am so sorry. I don't want to sing that song. <laughs> it's not the song I want to sing this morning. But I wonder if you just bow your heads and God's word is clear and plain. Filled with the Spirit. Are you filled with the Spirit? Would you dare to ask? Spirit to fill you, to fill you now and as Savior and as Lord, you'd be willing to commit to his Lordship. Would you invite him in, not just the front porch? not just a guest in the kitchen, but say, God, my house is your house. My life is your life. Here are the keys. There's no safe you can't unlock. There's no closet you can't open. There's no light you can't turn on. Holy Spirit, fill me. Fill me. My commitment is to live for you. Continue to fill me. Keep on filling me. I submit to what you say. I'll do what you tell me to do. I'll go where you tell me to go. I'll be who you want me to be. I'll look at your word. I'll obey the truth. <laughs> the spirit of truth. God, my life, I, I realize it's not even mine. I, it belongs to you. You made me. You created me. Then you bought me back with a price. The blood of Jesus Christ. I don't even belong to myself. I belong to you. And so I commit to you. Sustain me. give to God, he cleanses. When he cleanses, he fills. I remember some days in law enforcement, I've been to some houses I wouldn't live in. It was too much mess. give to God, he cleanses. What he cleanses, he fills. What he fills, he uses. So Lord, 
you can use me. Use me in my life. Use me in the life of others. Holy Spirit, come and fill me. I commit myself to you. Savior and Lord, I'll walk with you. On my my own, I'm empty. And I need you. And now I'm open. Live your life in me. Praise and glory, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me just say this. I, I'm not sure what you feel right now. It's not the feeling you're after. It's the filling. I can tell you this, that the love of God in me <laughs> makes me love people. One of the characteristics of Christ in us is this great love we have for one another. I hope that God gives you his love to share with others. Maybe you'll do that as you leave this morning. A couple things. Um, At the end of the service, there's always an opportunity to pray and encourage you to do that. There'll be some people that'll be here. There's so many things that people are praying about. God's answering prayer. It's always a great opportunity. Something from God's word spoke to you and you want to confirm that with someone and encourage you to come as as we leave Uh, Pastor Chuck is not here today Um, there was another church in our community in our tribe um, whose pastor had to leave because of uh, an emergency with with a family uh, his father Um, there were other arrangements that were made and those fell through and they called and said um, do you have anybody that can come on this short notice? Pastor Chuck's going to be doing a funeral at that church on Monday for one of his family members that have to go to that church um, one of his relatives and so he's there today preaching and um, he'll be there tomorrow doing that service um, a Granger missionary In talking to people, I don't even know what time it is. We didn't sing, so I had a minute, right? Um, <laughs> I was talking with uh, the men that are coming. And, um, well, note this we're, we're providing child care for those services. But here's what I need you to do. Um, we're going we're gonna to video all those services and you'll be able to watch them. But I'm going to need some people that will say, hey, for this service, I'm willing to serve in Summit Kids. We're going to need some people to volunteer to do that. Um, and so I'm just going to encourage you to let the Lord lay that on your heart and, and don't dilly-dally around. Um, there's no reason that Vonda and Ellen should die of heart attacks because they still have open spots. Let's get that covered soon, and then we can just enjoy what God has for us during Grow 23. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday nights. I need some help. I need you to help me. I'm asking for your help. To help me help with some of the kids. I was talking to those three guys, and one of them is a little bit of a history guy, and I'm going to have him tell the story because he'll tell it better than I do, but just in a little bit of anticipation. We told him about Pastor Chuck's relative. It's a family, it's the Madison family. Long line of preachers in the missionary church. I mean, you can't, you can't be in the missionary church and not know the name Madison. Chuck's mom, through his mother's side, was connected to that family. In our district, the Michigan district, the Madison, many of those men served uh, in churches and pastor churches and were people who who led the way. And then um, Dr. Imbrecht reminded me about, he said, I, Caleb was in that meeting with me and he said, Brother Caleb, he said, I was with your mom and dad out in Iowa 
or out in Colorado actually uh, recently. They live in Iowa, but they were out in Colorado. And um, then he began to tell the story about Caleb's relatives. During some of the early revivals of um, when the missionary church was, you know, turn of the century and some of the great presidents up in Canada, presidents of Bible colleges and uh, people that were training. By the way, Pastor Caleb's going to that funeral that Chuck's doing tomorrow because he's got a relative that was a relative of somebody who was in Chuck's family. But these are people who, people who've been in ministry who have served in time after time and time. You hear their name and it's, and it's synonymous with a move of God, some of those revivals early on. Then Dennis Engbrecht, he said, Dan, he said, you know the story. Your grandparents left Mennonite church to start a missionary church out in the plains of Dakota. Donated land for an early church. Had to have a church out in the country because everyone had horses. So there were a lot of little churches. There were cemeteries as a kid. That's the cemetery I mowed as a little kid for years, that little church cemetery. See, the church, then people got cars and they moved to town. They picked up that church. My dad, my grandfather bought his property back from the church. They picked up the church. They took it to town. People began to worship in town. He began to tell the story. Dr. Engbrek wrote a history of that church that my parents, grandparents started all those years ago. I'm going to read an excerpt to you someday from the back of that book because it talks about some 700 miles away from where that church started in southeastern, southwestern, south, um, southwestern Michigan. There's another church. It talks about this church, Summit Church that God was doing something way back then in the late life of a farmer and a kid and he was in Niles and how God began to work. I have to tell you this. Dr. Ang I'm going to have him tell that story because he'll tell it better than I do, but I'm telling you what, when he told that story, it about took me to my knees. I don't know why God's brought us all here. Your pastors are committed to being part of something that God is doing. For every one of us, Kate is a part of what happened in the plains of Dakota. Caleb, what happened in Canada and in Iowa. Chuck, what happened in this district and up in Michigan. Our relatives were instrumental in a move of God's Spirit. And I want to see it with my eyes. I want to experience it in my life. I want you to know what it is to be a part of what God is doing to change our lives. I don't know why, but for such a time as this, God has assembled us together for these days. So as you go out, become the church in the world. You go with Christ. You go with the Holy Spirit of God within you. You with, go with the hope and the promise of his filling and his strength. You go blessed. Know that he'll keep you. Make his face shine upon you. He'll be gracious unto you. That he's watching you. He'll give you peace. He'll give you power. He'll pour out his spirit. Amen. Lord, as we leave this place, we go in your name. For your glory, we pray. 
Thank you for joining us for this message from the Summit Church Podcast. Again, if you have any questions, visit us at summitniles.com. Now go and be the church in the world 